You're listening to the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M. So without further ado, let's get it started and step into the ring. Hey guys, how's everyone doing tonight? A bit of a late podcast for today. I usually try to get these cranked out early, but it was a little busy today. So I just wanted to make sure I want to touch on ESP UFC on ESPN4. Of course, the main event between Rafael Dos Anjos and Leon Rocky Edwards. And the co-main event between Juan Adams and Greg Hardy. Or that wasn't that wasn't even the co-main event. I actually I thought it was. It was actually Walt Harris versus Alexi Olinick. Wasn't that? Yeah, that was the co-main event. So yeah, let's let's get started with that. So first off, let's talk about Dan Hooker versus James Vick. That was one of the fights I was really looking forward to on this card, without a doubt. Two top guys in the lightweight division. James Vick, you know, kind of falling off a little bit after he got that first round knockout loss to Justin Gaethje, and then he lost via decision to Paul Felder. But, you know, Dan Hooker also on a little bit of a losing skid. I mean, it wouldn't even be a skid. He only lost one fight, losing to Edson Barbosa, but taking ungodly amounts of punishment in that contest and didn't want to quit at all. Didn't have an ounce of quit in him. His body just couldn't take any more damage. So let's see, right when this fight started, I'm always worried about James Vick. And I said it in my last podcast because he always keeps his chin up and he try kind of reaches for your punches when you throw him because he's so tall. He usually has a height advantage over everyone at the, in the lightweight division. He might have a height advantage over every single person in there. So he's able to back up keep his hands low and kind of reach for you as you throw your punches and then back up and counter off what you throw. He's a really good boxer. Doesn't really use kicks at all. Doesn't really use grappling. He just kind of tries to stay on the feet and land crisp boxing. And in this fight, you had two orthodox fighters, obviously, which is left leg in front, right leg in back. Your power is in your right hand. So the right away, I said, I was watching it with one of my buddies, and I said right away, the key to this fight is going to be the left hook because James Vick was circling away from the power and and Dan Hooker was also circling away from the power. And they were all just, they were just kind of feeling each other out. Uh, Hooker landed some really good leg kicks on Vick and Vick returned a few as well. And then James Vick was able to land that straight right down the center as a, Hill Hooker was backing up against the fence, so he was backing away to kind of keep the distance a little bit because Vic was charging forward. He threw a left, right, left, and then another right, caught Hooker right on the jaw. Hooker stumbled back a little bit, but then gained gained his wits about him again and then moved forward. And he threw he threw a few leg kicks as well. Like I said, that was one of the main things that led up to the finish. And I said um, that the left hook was going to be the key. I said to my friend, I'm like, left hook's definitely going to be the money. And Hooker charged forward against um, James Vick through like a like a jab right hand and a looping left hook, and it was an inch away from Vick's chin. Because like I said, Vick doesn't tuck his chin. He just backs up with his chin up in the air because he knows he's going to have a reach advantage on almost anyone in the lightweight division because he's so tall. And it didn't work the first time. He tried it again, I believe. It didn't work again. But the third time he he did he did a right hand and a left hook, and it caught Vic right on the jaw, dropped him. He was basically out. Hooker jumped on him, landed a few more shots on the ground, and got the KO finish in the first round. 
super, super good win for Dan Hooker. Puts him right back up into into the content, not contender status, but right back up in the top of that division. And he called out Ally Quinta for the UFC 243 card, where his teammate Israel Adesanya is going to fight Robert Whitaker in Sydney for the middleweight championship of the world. Obviously, I can't wait to see that fight. I would love to see Hooker versus Iaquinta on that card. That'd be amazing, and I know it'd be a good fight because Al always shows up to fight, and Hooker's doesn't quit either, so it would be a barn burner for sure. But one of the things that this finish reminded me of, if you go back to Cody Garbrandt versus Augusto Mendez before he got you know the championship fight against Dominic Cruz, he landed almost this exact same combination that Hooker landed on James Vick because he would he would move in and out, you know, with the head movement, bobbing and weaving, trying to get his distance and come in and counter you. So, and then he just found the opening and he bum rushed him, right hand, left hook, right hand, dropped Augusto Mendez. But it was so close to him, it was just kind of like a ba ba ba, real quick, and that's what dropped him. That was almost the exact same combination. Just Hooker at a little bit more distance when he threw that left hook. It wasn't as close, but it was almost identical. If you go back and watch Cody Garbrandt versus Augusto Mendez, do it. Definitely go back and watch that because it'll remind you a lot of this finish. It was almost the same way that Hooker beat James Vick. Then, of course, we had uh, Juan Adams versus Greg Hardy. I thought Adams was going to beat Greg Hardy. Obviously, that's not what happened. Adams punt, hit him with a right hand, I believe. I don't know if he was southpaw or orthodox. I'm not 100% sure. But hit him with a right hand. Hardy backed up like, you know, it caught him a little off guard a little bit. Juan Adams shot for that double leg. I think it was a single leg, actually. Shot for a single leg takedown. And Greg Hardy used a whizzer. For uh, casual fans, it's when somebody shoots in a takedown on your hips, you grab the overhook on their arm. And then you sprawl your hips back, and it it almost it almost puts the uh, the guy who's shooting the takedown on you on your side, like like to the side of you, and you both land on your stomach. You can also you know stay on your feet, but heavyweights, you know. So he Juan Adams shot the takedown on Greg Hardy. Hardy wizard out of it, and then he kind of got I believe it was a, like a a back control almost. I'm not 100% sure. It was an awkward position. I want to say it was like referee's position from like amateur wrestling. And he just, Craig Hardy just unloaded shots after shot after shot after shot on Juan Adams. I was probably like 20, 25 punches. Adams didn't move and they stopped the fight. Adams protested it, but, and he probably, he might have still been okay, but he wasn't moving anytime soon and he was getting cut up. So good stoppage and Greg Hardy wins again. So hopefully he gets a tougher opponent next, maybe somebody in the top 10 at heavyweight. I don't see him going anywhere close to contender in, in at heavyweight when he starts to fight some of these good guys. I couldn't imagine him fighting Alistair Overeem. I couldn't imagine him fighting Stipe. I couldn't imagine him fighting Alexi Olenek. He might be able to knock him out just because his chin isn't that good. But I don't see him moving up. It's, it's impressive that he's even been able to have a record of 5-1 and one now you know, for a pro fighter. And I know he has a really high level, you know, athletic background for uh, football and everything like that. But, you know, he impressed me, but I want to see him against some good competition now. So we'll see what happens with that. 
And then co-main event, Walt Harris knocked out Alexi Olenek in 11 seconds. Caught him right on the jaw, dropped him, finished him. That was it. Nothing really to say. Walt Harris looked good. Got in, got out, made that money. Now we get to the main event, the bread and butter of this card. The big boy, the main course. Leon Edwards versus Rafael Dos Anjos in a, I would say, not a number one contender fight. But you're right there. Whoever wins this fight is definitely right there for a title shot. And Leon Edwards looked great. I mean, he really shut down Rafael Dos Anjos for all 25 minutes of this fight. Let, let, I'm going to break down a little bit more technical. So, you know, if you don't know Leon Rocky Edwards, he's very patient. He waits for you to make to leave yourself open, and then he counters. He never, he never tries to push the action and get engaged into a brawl. He's always like, you know, looking at you, watching your movements, watching your patterns when you try to throw shots looking at you whenever you try to go somewhere, and he's always like calculating. He's downloading your information, seeing what your weaknesses are and everything like that, and he goes off of that and counters off what you throw. Did the same thing to RDA. Right away, he shot a takedown. He got like a body lock and then like kind of tripped RDA's leg out and got, got him down and basically controlled him for the rest of that first round on the ground. RDA got to butterfly guard which is where you, if a full guard is you're on your back and the opponent's in between your legs and you have your legs crossed over their back, a butterfly guard is where your legs, your insteps on your shin, your shins are in between their legs and your feet are pointed up. So you're going to elevate them with your shins to get the pressure off of you and then you can go into leg locks from there. You can sweep them to get on top and have top control. And RDA tried to use that butterfly guard and um, land elbows on on Leon Edwards. It didn't really work out for him, though. Leon Edwards was able to stifle the butterfly guard by keeping his hips back, and that was really the end of the first round. Just good ground control from Leon Edwards. And then the really the story of this fight was Leon Edwards' elbows and elbows off the break in clinches. Whenever Leon Edwards might have the best timed elbows in all of mixed martial arts. I don't really care if you disagree with me or not, but he's really good at getting that collar clinch, the single collar clinch when you're close together, and then on the break, he'll throw the elbow and circle off to get away from you. You saw him do this against Gunnar Nelson. I said that in my breakdown for this fight. RDA has to watch out for the elbows on the breaks from the clinch, and he landed almost, I think he landed every single shot, elbow that he threw on the clinch breaks against RDA. And then he cut him up super, cut him up real bad on his left eye. I mean, his left eye was a was just ripped apart into after that second and third round. And that was really honestly, that was the story of the fight. Um, RDA did have some success with that rear leg kick. He dropped Edwards with the leg kick once, but as Edwards fell, he got. He grabbed a hold of RDA's leg, so even though he fell into a half-guard position on top of Leon Edwards, he wasn't really able to transition because Edwards had a hold of his leg, and then he could use that to elevate RDA, get his hips back out, and get back up to the feet. Showed really good composure and takedown defense in this fight from Edwards. RDA didn't have a bad fight either. I mean, he did lose every single round in my book, but he was there. He was a gamer. He was a dog in this fight. 
he pushed the pace, at least tried to push the pace, but Edwards was just too much for him. He, like he knew everything RDA was going to do before he even did it. And like I said, those breaks, they had those clinch break elbows were really the key for Leon Edwards. Every time RDA got close to him, he would single collar clinch or even get the double, like the tie plum and throw that elbow and it would catch RDA every single time. And then when he was on the outside, he did really good at throwing like that. Since he's a southpaw, your right hand's in front, your right leg's in front, left leg and back. He threw that jab to the right hook to the straight left hand that caught RDA a few times. And it was just really good distance management and control. He had RDA following him. He was the matador. RDA was the bull. And he basically picked him apart for all five rounds. The fifth round was good for, for Rafael Dos Anjos. You know, he was able to pressure him a little bit more. And he tried to throw two flying knees in order to just catch Leon Edwards off guard. But when I say this guy's a smart fighter and very technical and tactical in his approach, even when RDA threw that those flying knees, Leon Edwards was able to catch him and dump him in, in a takedown and take him down. Every time, every time RDA threw those knees, Leon Edwards read the, read the attack, come, grabbed him, took him down. He got a, I believe 49-46 was the win, was the decision when the judges scorecard. So that's four rounds to one. I scored at five rounds to zero for Leon Edwards. Maybe I might have given RDA the second round, but I don't 100% remember. If you're looking for like all action, you know, it probably wasn't a good fight for you because it was a very technical, tactical matchup. But I love those type of fights. If you're a fan of real martial arts and mixed martial arts and just really good game planning and picking apart an opponent in a chess match, Edwards versus Dos Anjos was definitely for you. So go back and watch it if you can find a clip of it. That's it for that card. Um, obviously, this Saturday we have UFC 240, headlined by the reigning defending featherweight champion of the world, Max Blessed Holloway, and number one contender, who's really not the number one contender, but they gave him the title shot anyway, but I'm not mad at it. Frankie, the answer, Edgar. You know, they were scheduled to fight two times before. It never happened. This looks like it's going to go through. I'm excited for the fight. Frankie Edgar obviously coming off a win over Cub Swanson. Max Holloway coming off a loss to Dustin Poirier at UFC 236 in a crazy barden burner war type of fight. And Max Holloway said that the version who fought Dustin Poirier would get mauled by the Max Holloway who's showing up at UFC 240. And I don't think Max Holloway's the guy to just say that to make himself look good. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. Leaning towards Holloway, but I know Frankie always brings the fight. I just think Holloway's movement, fight IQ, and distance management is too much for Frankie Edgar. And I think he picks him apart and gets to the finish late. Obviously, co-main event, we have um, Chris Cyborg. Excuse me, Chris Cyborg and Felicia Spencer. That seems that's probably going to be not that good of a fight. I think Cyborg's going to run right through her. Maybe a second round TKO. I said first round, but I'm going to go second round TKO for sure. We have some other another good fight on the card: Jeff Neal versus Nico Price in the welterweight division. That should be good. Two prospects in the division looking to move themselves up the rankings should be good as well. Um. In terms of news, obviously we had the John Jones incident, which just happened, I believe, today or last night. 
when he, I don't even know the whole story and I'm not really going to get into it because I don't want to spend time on John Jones. I respect him as a martial artist and an athlete and a competitor. He's one of the best in the world, but I just have no sympathy for the guy anymore. But you don't know if this is true. Somebody could just be trying to make it something that it isn't, trying to to make it seem like they were victimized by John Jones so they can get some money out of it or something like that. But like I said, I'm not going to spend any time on it because John Jones doesn't deserve to have time. I mean, just in my case, I I have nothing to say. We don't even know the whole situation. We don't know whatever the whole story, so I can't say anything anyway. But if it ends up being something, I'll talk about it on the next episode. Um. In terms of uh, another news, Anthony Smith posted, you know, war ready on his Instagram with a picture of him entering the cage ready for war. And then he posted a clip of Return of the Mac on his Instagram story. So it looks like he's getting a fight, coming back, getting ready to, after his very impressive win over Alexander Gustafsson in Sweden. So I'm excited. I love Anthony Smith, man. That dude is a dog. I, I want him. If there's one person I could pick to beat John Jones for the light heavyweight championship, it is without a doubt Anthony Smith. That guy deserves it. He's even though his record, you know, isn't that great. He has a lot of losses. He's also got a lot of wins, and he's one of the best light heavyweights in the world. Uh, who, in terms of who I think he would fight, maybe Jan Blahovich, just because after that first round knockout of or second round KO over Luke Rockhold, I think. The plan was maybe to do Rockhold versus Anthony Smith if Rockhold won that fight, but not only did he lose it, he got his jaw broken. So I don't know who Smith would be fighting. I mean, I would say John Jones in a rematch. I'd love to see it, but I think they give him one more fight before the John Jones fight. So it's probably Jan Blahovich later on, maybe in September or October. And I'm excited every time Anthony Smith fights, so I'll touch base on it whenever we get the real official announcement. But yeah, it should be a good fight, whoever he does fight. Um, let's go to some wrestling. Tonight, obviously, happening right now, actually, is Monday Night Raw, the Raw reunion, where all the legends come back. I think you've got, like, Shawn Michaels, uh, oh, obviously, all of DX, The Godfather, probably Edge and Christian, Batista might be there. I know Cena's supposed to be there. I saw somebody post on Instagram that Rhea Ripley was spotted at the arena, so that'd be really cool. I'm hoping it's just a really fun show. I'll be watching it right after I finish up this podcast. But for sure, it should be really fun. And I'll if it's if anything noteworthy happens, I'll talk about it on the next episode. You know, I'm excited. Anytime there's all these legends come back or like it's a nostalgia type of raw that we get, I'm, I'm always excited to see it because it's out of the norm of what we get. Even though some people say, you know, WWE's living in the past, they have to focus on new talent, which is true, but I'm always excited for the legends to come back. Maybe we take a ride on the ho train, if you know what I mean by that. Let's see what's next. We covered everything, obviously, UFC 240, we talked about that. Leon Edwards is a problem for anybody at the well in the welterweight division. I, I talked about his performance, obviously, but his last loss was to the welterweight champion of the world, Kamaru Usman. And if I was making the fight, I would have him fight Jorge Masvidal next, and then whoever wins that gets a title shot after the winner of Colby Covington and Robbie Lawler fights Kamaru. If Covington loses and Robbie Lawler gets the win, I would say that Jorge 
gets Kamaru, and then the winner of that gets Robbie Lawler, or maybe Lawler fights Leon Edwards, and then the winner of that fight would fight the winner of Covington and Usman. But I don't know, man. Leon's a problem. I don't know if he beats Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal's such a tough fight for everybody in that division. And, you know, whenever he loses, it's the only loss that he really had that was like clear cut was his loss to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And even that fight was a close fight. He probably could have arguably won a couple of those rounds. But yeah, I mean, that's really all I have for today. Like I said, I'm excited to watch Raw Reunion. I talked about all the fights. Um, We don't really have any other announcements. Obviously, after this pay-per-view, we've got Covington versus Robbie Lawler's the next fight, the next main event for the uh, ESPN cards. That's going to be a great fight. I can't wait to see that. And we also have UFC 241, which takes place in August with the co-main event between the returning Nate Diaz and Showtime Anthony Pettis at 170 pounds, and then the main event, which is the rematch for the heavyweight championship of the world between Stipe Miocic and Daniel D.C. Cormier. That Those are both amazing fights. Also on that card, we have Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero. That's such a crazy fight. I cannot wait to see it. Probably one of my most looked forward to fights coming up. But yeah, I think I'm going to cut it here for today. But guys, lately my episodes have not been getting a lot of viewership and listenership actually because you're not seeing me. But I need you, if you're listening to this, put it on your social media. Do anything you can to promote it and get it out there. Like I said, I can only promote so much myself to get it out to people and get people to listen. I need my viewers and my listeners to get it out for me as well. You need to tell your friends, tell anybody you can to listen to my podcast, post it on Twitter, Instagram, freaking Snapchat, anything you got, post it because I need to get out there because I'm, I'm eventually going to be moving to YouTube and I don't know if it'll still be an all audio podcast just over some, some pictures or if it's going to be video. But I might have to move there just to get my viewership up and get my name out there and get more exposure. But we'll see what happens. And yeah, I'm having fun doing this. I hope you guys have fun listening to this. And that's it for this episode of the Touch Em Up podcast. Have a good night, everybody. All right.